Father, we thank that you for this special time that we could spend together as men, and we've taken time out of our schedules, Lord, because this is important, because you're important. We ask that you'd bless your word, and especially our discussion as we interact through the word today. We ask, Lord, that you put your spirit upon us and strengthen our walk with you and our inner man. We just come to give you praise and honor, Lord, because you're good to us. Thank you for feeding us, clothing us, giving us warm beds, all the wonderful provisions, Lord. We recognize it from your gracious hand. Thank you, Lord. Bless our time now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we have uh, some handouts there. Let's kind of work through what we have, so you, at least you're familiar with this. this. is obviously for you to keep and work on. Sometimes it's, it's pretty simple, uh, what I put down here, but it's important that we have it. So this is just a six-week study, uh, so it's not overwhelming uh, for our fall study here. Um, and you can see the various dates, um, three times here in October and three times in November, with at the end of October having the Deep South Men's Conference. I put the uh, information there if you want to register, and uh, you can do that. What well, what we've done in the past is the people that go, you know, you can get a couple guys in one hotel room, so you, it's half the cost that way. Or uh, what's really nice about the, that is if you like to camp out, they have uh, places for campers, they have tent sites, so you can sleep. It's just one night. Uh, you can rough it and sleep out on the ground if you want <laughs> but all the meals are included and it's always good we've they got a full lineup this uh this year it's very encouraging like david guzik's going to be there sandy will be there oral reese's son will be there um charlie uh, what's charlie's last name campbell will be there i think i'm missing someone else but anyway, that'll be the information's there on the site, and uh, just encourage you to to go. It's it's just a good time. There's four or five hundred men there, just men. It's always kind of good to be in a in a uh, auditorium with just men singing. It's pretty, you know, it's different. Let's just put it that way. So anyway, if you can work that in your schedules. So what we'll do is um, I don't. If you want to grab a box of the pens in the Sunday school room there, I don't know if you, it looks like a couple of you already have your pens with you. You're ready to roll. That's good. But I think it's important to, to just again restate the purpose of the men's ministry. I, I really believe that the strength of the church is the strength of the men. You know, we have seen in our culture the feminization of America, you know, we've, you know, church for the most part, is, it's difficult for men to see the need sometimes. And so even in the churches, we see where it's the ladies who have taken the lead in so many different areas of ministry. And, and Calvary Chapel is known for male leadership. We believe that men are to lead. That doesn't mean we're uh, against the ladies at all, uh, but we're pretty sure this is what the Scripture uh, communicates to us. So the responsibility is upon us, and I uh, this is a, a lacking ministry in our church, the men's ministry, and I'd like to see it turn around and uh, head the right direction. So uh, we'll continue to do this here. So let me read the words of uh Dr. Henry Van Dyke, and, and, uh, it's, um, and, the, and again, the purpose for our ministry here. Four things a man must learn to do if he would make his life more true. To think without confusion, clearly. To love his fellow man, sincerely. To act from honest and motives, purely. To trust in God and heaven, securely. And then... Again, the, what do we? What do we? What's the objective here? Number one, it's to assist in making the men of the church the backbone of the ministry. 
It's to create an environment where men develop friendship and know one another. It's to encourage fellowship, prayer, and devotional service unto the Lord and to the body of Christ. It is to assist in the understanding and study of the scriptures and sharpen our skills. To encourage devotional habits. And then the two relevant scriptures. I love these scriptures. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on the behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah 1.5 And so from these scriptures, we know it's God's desire that he use us in his own in a in his own special way and the mission that he has for you to image him is unique unto you you have a job to do that nobody else can do and god will empower you to do this impossible job now as you're going to look at that job and think there's no snow way and your and your analysis would be absolutely correct you can't do it but god can do it through you this is why paul wrote, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God never intended us to fulfill our mission without his help. And that's what creates brokenness in our lives, actually. We realize we get to the point where, man, this is, I can't do this. <laughs> but, but we can with his strength. So just words of encouragement. Now, uh, we're going to start uh, the study of David's mighty men. And it's really the study of, uh, as well as the mighty men, uh, the last words of King David, and I th- thought it would be good to for us to read the first seven verses here, and this is at, at, and go through it together, and um, think it through. Uh, what's God saying? What through David? What was his analysis of himself? And so, Second uh, Samuel twenty three, one through seven. Now these are the last words of David. Thus says David, the son of Jesse. Thus says the man raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, the sweet psalmist of Israel. The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. The God of Israel said, the rock of Israel spoke to me. He who rules over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And he shall be like the light of the morning when the sun rises, a morning without clouds, like tender grass springing out of the earth, by clear and shining after the rain. Although my house is not so with God, yet he has made me an everlasting covenant, ordered in all things and secure. For this is all my salvation and all my desire. Will he not make it increase? With the sons of rebellion shall be as thorns thrust away, because they cannot be taken with hands. But the man who touches them must be armed with iron and a shaft of a spear, and they will be utterly burned with fire in their place. Not a lot of words that were recorded here in David's last words, but pretty pregnant with thought and meaning. And I think it would be good for us to kind of break this down a little bit. So let's look at the first couple verses there. What does, what does David say of himself in these opening last words? Okay, so what what part of the verse do you get pull that from? Oh well, that's the that's the nearly inspired version. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> 
<laughs> Isn't he great to pick on? You, get, you always got to have somebody in a group you can pick on. <laughs> No, that's, that's, that's well said. That's good. So a uh, man raised up on high, and you know, he's talking about leadership. I mean, you know, where was David taken from? He te- God tells him this later on in his life. Uh, yeah. So, you know, the Bible tells us not to despise the day of small things. You might consider, I mean, you know, what's Mongo, Indiana to you? You guys probably don't even know what Mongo, Indiana exists. No, not many people do, but that's where I grew up in that area. I mean, you're probably thinking some movie or something, right? Mongo. The Mongolian <coughs> Indians lived there years ago along the Pigeon River. But, you know, the and not that we're, any of us are going to be king of Israel. You know, we're not on that level. But it's still the principle applies. You know, God takes us from obscurity. And it's God that's doing the work. And so you can't say within your heart, well, you know, I'm the least of my kin. You can't use your, your obscurity as an excuse not to serve God, not to, not to be obedient to, to your call. And, and David's a good example of that. So what, what else does he say uh, about himself? That's three things, raised up on high, anointed by God, and he was the sweet psalmist of Israel. He was the, I mean, he wrote their songbook. That's pretty amazing. He was a very gifted man. But there's a couple other things that are said there I think we can. God speaks to him. Yeah, yeah. Do you think that's, do you find that an incredible thing? That God speaks through, inspires people's speech? I think it's a pretty crazy thought, actually. It's it's not, you know, something we can't grasp, but it's it's a marvel. God would speak through us. So, I like this. Yes. Not only is it a marvel that it speaks through us, but as a New Testament believer, would it be appropriate to have an expectation that we have a relationship with the Lord such that he does speak through us and through us, and that that would be a normal function of our relationship with him? Yeah, I I think so. I mean... um how many times do you, in your life, that you realize, you don't even realize that it is the Lord speaking through you? So it's not like, and, and that, what I'm trying to get at here is the idea that, well, I speak for God. We need to recognize that's not a good position of attitude to have. Uh, it's like you don't even realize most of the time. It, because, it, like you said, it's sort, sort of a natural, supernatural thing that's in your life because you're walking close to Him. You're, what it is, what 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 is it? How does it? How does that actually happen in a person's life? I think there's the Scripture does explain that to us. Anybody have any thoughts on that? How is it that that we it comes about that we are speaking for God? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Paul talks about, you know, I'm not going to hold you. Uh, you can grab something there if you want to eat something. Um, Paul talks about, uh, to the Corinthians, about us having the mind of Christ. So we have the Spirit. And so we have the mind of Christ. We have the Scriptures, as you were saying. And what it is, we are think we 
without really thinking about it, we're learning to think like God thinks about certain things. We're taking on God's perspective. And when that, the more you get accustomed to that, it sort of begins to feel sort of like natural to you. And so when you speak, you're thinking, you're speaking what you're thinking, right? So it just goes to say, on to say, you know, that's how we speak by the Spirit of God a lot of times. But then there are other times when you just realize, whoa, that was the Lord speaking, you know, and you're sort of taken back by it. Yeah. I think that's the importance of the pouring in. Yeah. It sort of exudes from you without your control. It's part of your being. So notice, um, too, I don't have this on a question, but does anybody see anything special in verses 2 and 3 in regards to the Lord, that, that he's the way he phrases that? Yeah, we're, no, I don't want to go there yet. I, I'm looking for something else. That that's the next point. <laughs> Did you see the Trinity here? It's just not the Lord Jesus. It's just not the Father. It's just not the Spirit. These three are one, and they're all three working in our lives. It's 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 a complete continuity of. Of work, the Trinity works together to bring us to maturity and to growth, to fulfill His mission. I, I just like to pay attention to those things. So, obviously, uh, the Spirit, the invisible Spirit of God, that has to take on form of a dove or or wind or other things to to, to grasp it, you know, in our our, our tangibility levels. And then the God of Israel, well, that'd be referring to the Father. And then the rock of Israel. This is something that really escapes us. And when you, as you read through the Old Testament, I want you to pay attention. The rock of Israel. Who is the rock? We, anybody wanna, can anybody pull something from the New Testament that would sort of identify this person? Yeah. And and that and Paul tells again the Corinthians, you know, and that rock rock that followed them in the wilderness was Christ. Now, when you read the Old Testament, you understand that the who the angel of the Lord is, right? He's the rock. When when Moses smote the rock figuratively, he was smiting Christ, a picture of of condemnation that he would take for us. But if you read Exodus 23, Yahweh, the Father, says that the angel of the Lord is going to go before them, Israel. He would fight their enemies. And then we see uh, in the law, uh, they were to keep the camp of Israel clean. And part of that reference is to their bodily functions. They were to make sure that they were sanitary in dealing with Waste. Why? Because the angel of the Lord was walking through their camp and he didn't want to step on it. That's just to be frank. We read in Judges 2 that the angel of the Lord came up to Bochum. Jesus, in the form of the angel of the Lord, a pre-incarnate appearances of Christ are all over the Old Testament if you're paying attention. And I think this is pretty cool. The, so when he's talking about the rock of Israel spoke to me, he had an encounter with Christ in that sense. So th- these are rich things. If you, if you, and this, you know, we're, it's so easy to just read through the scriptures and just, you know, well, oh, yeah, isn't that great? But if you start thinking about it, and that's what meditation comes in, you just sort of mull it over, think about the other scriptures, get out your 
Strong's Concordance and look up other scriptures or the back of your Bible if they have a if it's a good Bible study, uh, a study Bible rather. It'll have uh, other references that that you'd get, and this is sort of how we uh, study the scriptures. Just you know, compare scripture with scripture. So let's. So, in verse three, then as uh, Bruce is alluding to, what was uh, the message of God to David about leadership? Yeah. So let's explain that. What is the what is the fear of God? How how, how what does he mean by that? Uh, it's, it's reverence and it's also to follow his commands. Hmm. Anybody else want to add to that? Respect. Respect. Yes. You know, for those of you who had uh good authority figures in your life your father grandfather and uncle how did you act around them <laughs> you you knew if you got on a line you're going to get your head snapped you know the <laughs> i don't know if you've ever had that happen to you I, i've got a, a permanent indentation on my head from that <laughs> you know it's just what we do we we're corrected and because we love that person, respect that person, we want to obey that person, so we just usually watch our behavior where we're on that kind of... And this is sort of what you guys are saying, and this is a, a good thing. So that's a good point. And so we have really the three R's of leadership in these verses here. The first requirement, the first R is requirement, in the fear of God. I'm going to be judged by God for my leadership. Everyone in this room is going to be judged by God for leadership. It's just what happens. We're going to, it starts with, Ourselves. How did we govern our bodies? How did we govern ourselves? And then for those of us who go on to get married, um, how did I lead my family? How did I lead my wife? You know, these are the simple things, but this is uh, in the fear of God. I'm going to give an account, and the requirement is I be just. What is it? So um, the idea of... Well, let's go on here. Um, let's. How does he describe godly leadership? Yeah, let's break. That's good. Let's break that down. That's what you have to do when you do your Bible studies. Like, what does that really mean? So you're saying, uh, by the you're looking at the light of the morning as. Say again. To lead by example. Coming out of the darkness, you're coming out of night into. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So how would you? So let's so let's put that into application then at that point, because because that's good analysis. It's it's good. If you you can't lead anybody if you're confused, right? No, I shared this Wednesday night. You know, as far as ministering the Word of God, if I don't understand it, you aren't gonna. I'm not gonna help you understand it. And of course our professor in Bible College he had some great one-liners and one of them, and I'm not sure who I think you may have got this from Hendrix uh, a mist in the pulpit is a fog in the pew <laughs> and so you know, if I'm you know misty-eyed and in the dark as a leader, all those po- poor people that are following me are in trouble 
Yeah. Well, it's connected to the fear part because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Hmm. So that's good. With that, you know, that's all part of, and the king was supposed to know. Wasn't the king supposed to read, write, pen the, the law to have that? The Pentateuch, written? yes, yeah. yes. So, I mean, it's, it's, and with that, again, going back to what we were saying before, all these things, mm-hmm. then the light will be there. It's not a manufacturer, it's not contrived, mm-hmm. it's something that's happening. Yeah. And it again goes back to we have nothing to do with it. Yeah. We're sitting before them and soaking in these things. It has to happen. Yeah. It has to happen. If it's not happening, it's not a condemnation, but that's where, and I've been going through this in my life, okay, what's prohibiting it? What's, where's the infection that I'm not seeing? Or maybe that I'm not willing to go to a doctor to heal. Yeah. But as you're soaking in, it's, it's got to come out. And so I think that's where it is because the fear of the Lord is all these things that everyone said, but it all comes from that knowledge base of yeah. God who is, that's why we know how to serve him and to what he desires in terms of obedience and, hmm. you know, yeah. our fellowship and discipleship. You know, in essence, what we realize, we're in our leadership, we're actually <laughs> representing God at whatever level. We represent God to the people that we're leading. And uh, that's part of the imaging process. We're just here as God's representatives on this planet. So uh, it's good to have that uh, perspective. Um, He also says, a morning without clouds. I think that probably goes along with what we've indicated there. But what about the next little phrase there? The tender grass, like the tender grass springing out of the earth. That's good. What else? Anybody else? Tender grass. You know, what What do animals like to eat most? I've got like three or four horses in the field next to where we're living. You know, all a horses do is eat. Every waking moment, they're chewing. And they always go where the grass is the greenest and tenderest. And they'll settle for less when that's gone, but that's where they go first. And so there's that aspect of, of as leaders, we we nourish other people. And that's a, that's an important thing to remember. It's, it's not about us anymore. And we, we sort of learn to realize that, oh, you know, i got to do it. And just not for my sake. It's for, it's for those who, who I'm leading. It's for their sake. And so that's a, an interesting thought as well. Um, I think this is, to me, the, the, what we've discussed here in this particular verse in 4 is sort of the second R of uh, for leadership, and that is the reward. For those who are willing to lead and to uh, do it in the fear of God and, and to do just you know what is right, uh, there's clear vision. There's a freshness. God will restore us. God will strengthen us. We will, you know, well, I don't know how to do it. God will make you to know. He's going to give us the revelation and understanding the wisdom we need to do what we're going to do. You know, I'm doing things now that I never thought I would ever do. I would just cop an attitude. Oh, there's no way I can do that. And so, you know, and that, so life is just one big attitude adjustment, isn't it? (laughs) Unfortunately, I've got a complete continually adjust it because God's calling me to higher ground. He's calling me to, to see more and understand more of his glory in his person. And so um, what happens is just take the next step. When you get to that point where you feel like, man, I don't, I don't think I can, I can pull this off. I don't know how to do this. You know, those kind of conversations are going on in your head. Just do the next thing. Like for me, like there's, I'll just be honest with you. You know, like, I do a lot of messages, and I look at some passages, and I think, oh, my God, wow, no way. 
And so what do I do? Well, how do you eat an elephant, right? One bite at a time. <laughs> so you just, you just start writing, you start thinking, and you just, you know, like for me, I'll just outline a passage. And um, just start simply. Just go with what you know. Keep it, don't, it doesn't, you don't have, you know, you can't get to D until you go through A, B, and C. And I want D, actually I want Z, I want it done before I start, right? I mean, let's be honest. I don't want to put the effort in. I just want the finished product. But you overcome that. And you realize, okay. And then you just, you just start, make, okay. Let's just go with what I know. Let's just do what I can. You know, what's our motto for the church? I do what I can with what I have where God has placed me. And this is how we, that's, and, and there's a reward for that. And then let's go on here. Uh, yes. No, no. Do, does anybody recognize what we're talking about here is suffering? It's a form of suffering, subtle, but it's the, it's part of the sufferings. Anything that re, re, uh, that's worth anything must be tended and must be tilled. This was the law after the curse. Tend the garden, till the garden. One means guard, the other means work. So it's by the sweat of the brow, that's suffering. Last time I checked, last time I felt it. <laughs> and then, so let's go on to verse 5 there, unless somebody else, I don't want to cut anybody off here. Okay. Um, verse 5, in your own words, what is David saying about his personal testimony? What do you think he may have in mind when he wrote these words? These are his last words. He, what happened? Yeah. Now I want to say this. Seeing David's life and the mercy of God and the grace of God, what does that put you in me? Praise God, he's gracious. Praise God, he's merciful. But he's, he, did, he was not in denial about himself or where he had blown it. I don't think we have to blow it to experience grace. Jesus never sinned, and yet he, the grace of God was all over him. So it isn't we find grace when we fail. We, we need grace to succeed and keep us from failing. So this is a big, big thing here. But he, this is the third R. You know, you've got requirement, the reward, and then the recognition of personal issues. We all have personal issues. We all have things that we're prone to that are, are not right and, and they're not good and they're, you know we refer to them as the rough edges. God's got a great, he's got a, a wonderful palm sander. <laughs> it goes round and around, smooths off the rough edges. But let's, what do you think he's thinking about when he, writes this, my house is not so with God. Let's just state the obvious. What do we think? Huh? Even though he was unworthy that God made a lasting covenant with him and preferred him. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, so he's thinking about adultery in his life and what that, and the murder. Now those are both capital crimes. He should have, according to the law, been stoned put to death, but God had mercy because he owned his sin. And that's the lesson here. We have to, it, we have to be honest with ourselves um, and, and own what's truly ours. And then in doing so, then we're, we receive the mercy. And that's the difference between Saul and David. David owned it. Saul denied it, wouldn't accept it. 
and let pride keep him in bondage. Yes. And how it tore that apart, and how it was, you know, That's he, he hasn't left a legacy that his sons are raising him up and, and you know, uh, giving his, you know, it has an effect on his family too. So. Yeah. And that's what he's saying, my house. Yeah. You know, there was incest in that sense, there was murder, uh, rebellion with his son, Absalom. And so. You know, people say, well, you know, God forgave David. Yeah, instantly. But there's a difference between, say, say it again. Yeah. So there's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Forgiveness is instantaneous. Yes, God forgives. But the idea of God working with to continue, to, because of those mistakes, to reconcile us back to himself. That's that's a process that we go through, and in, and it's the same in our relationships with each other. You know, we we blow it on occasion with one another. We're rude or whatever. We say things or whatever. You know the deal. Our wives especially. We have to. Oh, sorry, hon. And then let's work through it. Well, she, for, you know, she'll forgive me right instantly. But I look. I, I've got to deal with this. I, you know, why do I keep doing this to you or say this to you or whatever I do, you know? And this is what reconciliation is all about. So it's not, it's not hard to understand. It's, it's, it's hard for us to deal with sometimes because we're, you know, we don't want to deal with it, but we have to deal with it. And so David's just being honest. He's being honest with himself. And I think that's a good, um, even though he was a man and he was human. And this is, this is to give us hope here. What does he say there at the end of verse 5? Yet. Don't you like that word, yet? Yeah, but you don't know how much I've blown it. I don't think any of, you've blown it. Any of us in this room have blown it like David blew it. Oh, you've made so many mistakes that God's now done with you. He's had it. Look, there isn't anything that God hasn't seen. There hasn't, isn't anything that God hasn't heard before you, be, generations before we ever came along. He's not like, oh, shocker. Look what he did. Look what he said. <laughs> it doesn't enter the God's mind at, at all. And so the point is here is that he has made an everlasting covenant with me. It doesn't change. The gifts and callings of God are irrevocable. He's not going to revoke them. He's not going to take them back. Isn't that great? That's grace. That's mercy. And I tell you what, David is a tremendous example of grace and mercy. And we should all obviously take that to heart. You think you had anything else in mind before I cut? I don't want to cut anybody off here. I mean, that's a lot, as you guys have said there, about the house and all. You just have that little echo chamber never stops you know <laughs> thoughts going around in your head until you deal with it. Yeah. 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 So lastly here, uh, verses six and seven, what does God have David have to say about the ungodly? <laughs> oh, that's putting that's harsh, isn't it?
to me, go ahead, anybody else? Pipe up there, that's okay. Um, there's two options I see from this verse. Either we suck it up and really become the men that God wants us to be, or rebel. I mean, when I'm not willing to go God's way or humble myself and do some of the things that we've discussed here, it's rebellion. You know, like when you think about Cain and Abel, and, you know, there was probably, you know, Abel was the guy. What a model citizen. Everybody loved him. I mean, the guy's happy all the time. God accepts his offering. He's a loving person. And so Cain, in his self-righteousness, in his approach to God, was just filled with jealousy. He, and so what did he do? He killed his own, his own ideal. What he wanted, he couldn't gain it. He could not gain or what goodness kept from him because of his attitude. He chose the dark side. And he tried to get it through evil means rather than through humbling himself and allowing God to give it to him his way. So these are deep thoughts here that David brings to us. I mean, the man who touches them. Okay, the sons shall be as thorns thrust away. I mean, who likes the thorn bush? I love roses, but I just don't like what's underneath those beautiful blossoms. (laughs) They get you. <laughs> so let's let's break it down a little bit before we leave here. They're thrust away. Nobody, you know, you break fellowship. You don't get along with people. People, you know, let's just put it simple. I don't think Cain had a lot of friends. And that's our responsibility as, as fathers is to train our children up in a way that, that they learn what's right and wrong because children don't learn what's right and wrong when they're little they're not going to have friends when they get older because yeah well they're, but those aren't friends <laughs> those are not friends um because it cannot be taken with hands what's he what's he implying there do you think these sons of rebellion cannot be taken with hands That's good, yeah. Yeah, that's that's good. You you, you yeah. You can't make a child do what's right. It's essentially something that has to happen within that person for them to do what's right. What for them to to know what's right to do what's right. Cannot only God can really change someone. Cannot be done on a human level with hands human level um but, but there's there's this is there's some deep thoughts here a lot of philosophical things if, when you look through it and contemplate it the man who touches them must be armed with iron <laughs> okay now i know david i mean those guys are we're going to get into this but these guys are animals in a good sense man these warriors they knew how to use a sword there a lot of blood flowed in these days not like our day. But a, a man who touches them must be armed with iron. Must be filled. What, what is he, what's he implying there? If you're going to deal with the sons of rebellion, you know you're going to have a fight on your hands. You know, um, and I, I'm keeping it in the context of parenting. This is a, it's probably, well, first of all, the, Getting married is probably one of the most humbling things you can do because you're totally exposed to that other person and who you really are comes out. And then taking humility to another level is just having children because they just see it. They, they you know, they just speak. <laughs> Boom. And 
this whole idea here. Raising children and correcting and training people, it's a battle. Don't think it's not. It, you know, and it, but it's a good battle. It's a worthy fight. But you, it's not something you take lightly and you just... It, it, um, it's going to take all your strength. I mean, I think there's a lot more there probably, but armed with iron, you're going to, ha- you know, you're going to need God's help, God's guidance. You know, one of the phrases I've tried to learn over my, over the, and the Spirit of God spoke this to my heart, was there's nothing stronger than gentleness, especially with children and younger people in the faith. Um, I don't want to be gentle. It's just easier to be mean, you know. I mean, that comes natural. But kids, you know. Teenage years. Yeah. It's just, it's, so we need to pray for one another. You know, this isn't this disparage anybody or anything like that. Because nobody perfects parents perfectly. We, we don't. We just, we're fallen people. I mean, that's just the way it is. We have to work through it. You can. <laughs> God bless. I get the gentleness and everything, and I, and I know you find this hard to believe, but I might be a little hard-headed sometimes, thick-headed. Um, but every now and then... Is that how, the, is that, how that got worn off on top? Just, just say Yeah, you're right. It feels like a two before, huh? Even though it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Let me give you a scripture in regards to this, because, and this is, should be create hope for us. In Psalm 19, we are given how God will deal with us. I believe in these areas. It's at the end of the psalm. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from my secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sin. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless, and I shall be innocent of the great transgression. With, and then he goes on here in the Psalms, with the wicked, you know, with the proud, he'll show himself bold, in a sense. I'm paraphrasing. With the contrite he'll show himself with grace so depending on my attitude is how God will address my issues if I'm hard hearted and you know arrogant about things I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it but if I'm broken and contrite I'm still going to hear the truth 
but it's it's going to be in a different form. So it's really kind of up to us how we want to be corrected and in what manner by the Lord. Now, you got to understand, people are not always going to follow the Lord's way of correcting us. They may have other things that are built up in their lives, that, and then when they express something, it'll be, you know, it, the, the crime will not fit the emotion, so to speak. And there's some people that just overreact over the smallest things, like, wait, that's a small thing and you've got a huge reaction or that's a big thing in my life and you've got a small reaction. You know, people don't always respond in, 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 at the right level. And so, um, but as far as the Lord goes, he responds to us in the way that where we're at. And so hopefully that's encouraging to each of us. So uh, with that, that'll conclude our study for this morning. And so you can kind of see what's coming up uh, next week and the next couple of weeks. Uh, we'll get into the mighty men, and we'll talk about the various characteristics of the three top three uh, special ops guys. These guys were, I mean, they were Navy SEAL type people, really talented, gifted, and reported right to David. So, And then uh, we're going to have some demonstrations. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how that's going to turn out, but we, you know, Carl's going to show us some things about being a warrior, I think. I think. <laughs> so, uh, anybody else have a, any comment before I close in prayer? Okay, any other, anybody have some special prayer requests that maybe we ought to pray, pray for you? Lift up. Yes. Your family? In regards to salvation or just... Just okay, okay. Good to see you here, brother. Our Father, we are grateful for your word, and we're so thankful for um, David's testimony, Lord. What an incredible work of grace illustrated for us, and mercy. Lord, we confess we're not where we ought to be, We've not apprehended, Lord, what you've apprehended us for. We've got a lot of growing to do. But we know that involves suffering and pain. But just help us to man up to it, Lord, and just accept the cup like you accepted the cup. You drank the cup, Lord. And we want to drink the cup of leadership that you've called each of us to. Please forgive our sins. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness, Lord. Please give us your spirit. Please renew our minds and fill us with your love and grace. This morning we want to lift up Gil's family to you, Lord. Just ask that you would bring healing and restoration at every level. And I pray for him too, Lord, that he'll continue to recover from his surgeries and from the sufferings and trials that he's experienced this summer. We just pray for your, your blessing upon each of the men here. And every family that's represented, Father, we ask that you would pour out your grace and your mercy. Put your angels round about us, Lord, and protect us. In Jesus' name, amen.